Welcome to Get the Word Out, where we seek to destroy ignorance by speaking the word and having honest discussions that lead to wisdom. I am Josh Berkheimer here with Megan, and it's been a while. Yes, it has. We're coming at you, not live, but we're coming at you pre-recorded from our brand new kitchen table, we're everyone. But, uh, yeah, we got a new table, so we've got lots of space. We literally have three computers set up, so it's kind of nice. Um, this is episode seven. You didn't say that, did you? Episode seven, called The Self-Made Man. And believe it or not, we've had notes on this for months. But we haven't we haven't done it, have we? We kind of dropped the ball on it. Yeah. Which doesn't mean we didn't want to do it. We really... We really want to do the podcast. We've always had the desire to do it, and I think our desire has even grown to do it. But man, is it hard once you put the kids to bed and all you want to do is sit on the couch and eat ice cream and watch TV. Not tonight, babe. Yeah. So um, the idea about the self-made man came to me a long time ago, and it was kind of confirmed to me. I kept seeing it everywhere. And so I took some notes on it, and um, we even tried to do it one night. I don't know what happened. I think we were so tired. <laughs> we recorded it, and it just didn't. I think turn our out at I all. think our voices were just like really tired or something. I don't know, but we're good tonight, except for my husband accidentally gave me some expired tea. But I'll be all right. Um, it is, it's definitely expired. I remember buying it. it; was on clearance. I got home and I looked at the price tag, and I thought, oh. Or I looked at the date. Oh, that's why it's on clearance, because it's expired. But it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Probably sell it at the Sharp Shopper, <laughs> or the Smart Shopper, or whatever it's called. <laughs> the Sharp Shopper. Where you get expired it's not, food. It's not that bad. Okay. So, um, if you've ever asked yourself some of these questions, such as, why are some people making it on their own, but they don't have God, they're not believers, or why are some people... You know, they're believing in God and they seem like they have a lot of faith, but they're just, you know. Struggling to get by. Yeah, they're struggling. Um, Or when you think about really successful people or even celebrities and they don't have God in their lives, but they're on top of the world. Why are so many believers getting burnt out? These are some of the questions that came to me. And um, I had the thought about the self-made man. And if I could define it for you. I would say the self-made man is someone who only goes as far as their human might, human power, human limitations, human understanding, human strength, and human wisdom can take them. And that's as far as they'll go. So you can really work, you can work your way to the top. You can be on top of the world. You can work your way there and you can work your butt off but and be what everyone calls successful, but that's as far as you're going to go. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize that with God, you can actually go farther than you could even ask, think, or imagine, right? Um, without God and without being in alignment with his plan for you and without being in a circle of blessing, I would say that you're probably a self-made man. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, that's me, or maybe you're one of those people that are thinking, oh, so-and-so should listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do that when I sit in church. I'm like, Man, I hope my husband is listening to this sermon. Oh, I hope Megan's paying attention. Uh-huh, yeah. So at the end, we're going to give you four practical things to do to kind of steer the ship and turn it around from being a self-made man to a God-designed man or woman. And then we'll share a couple personal stories. Are you taking selfies in the middle of our podcast? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So first of all, we'll talk about why God, <laughs> why God doesn't want any self-made men. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 147. This is one of my favorite verses. And I kind of stumbled across this verse. I didn't, I didn't Google this or anything. This was, actually, this was kind of the verse that started the whole process for me. Um, Psalm 147, 10 and 11. Do you want to read it? Sure. Uh, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, and those who hope in his steadfast love. And the NLT, which is what I read, says he takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. I'm sorry, I read the wrong version. No, it's okay. They're both in there. I like I like the NLT. Um, he has the, what is your? English Standard. English Standard, which is basically one step up from King James. I don't know. So basically the verse is, um, to me, I interpret this verse as God doesn't really, he's not impressed with what you can do on your own strength. He really isn't. He wants to see what you can do together, you and him. God wants to work with you. He's not impressed with um, everything that you can do on your own. God, look what I did. Look at all this hard work I did. It's like you're um, showing God all your sacrifices, but that's not what he wants from you. He wants to work with you, and he wants you to be obedient to his plan and his will. Let's go to another scripture, Ecclesiastes, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Uh, the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. So the first part of that is kind of a rebuke for laziness. You know, you're not supposed to be lazy. You have to work and you have to do something, you know, otherwise you're going to perish. However, it says it's better to have one handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. So it's saying it's better to have to not be overloaded or overworked. If you've got two hands full of toil and work and you're just overwhelmed and you can never catch up, the Bible says it's better for you to have one empty hand and one handful of work. It's just striving after the wind. That's like, you know, you're always hoping to reach the next step or you're always chasing after this thing that you're never going to actually reach. Like people want success, but you know, once they get to where they think they're successful, like, oh, if only I had this next thing, right? It means you're going nowhere real fast. Galatians 3 says how, well, chapter 3, verse 3 says, how foolish can you be? This is Paul talking to um, the church in Galatians. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? All of these verses are kind of talking about your own human effort, like you can really do nothing at all, which is true. You can't really do anything on your own strength. You need God. So he says, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So he was telling them that because they actually knew better, like they were taught the word and they were taught to rely on God. And somehow they kind of got, I don't know, maybe some pride crept in or something and they thought they could just do it on their own. And then Paul comes back and says, nope, you've got it wrong. You need to kind of 
humble yourselves and rely on God. You can't do stuff just on your own. They took a step back in their growth. But if you are a believer, I will tell you that there you are either going forward or you're either going backwards. There's no um, there's no standstill with your Christian life. There's no standstill with God. If you're not moving forward in your faith, then you are probably taking some steps back and you need to reevaluate and look at um, what you're doing. So uh, my thoughts with this with this were in the physical world, see things in the Bible sometimes always, well, sometimes <laughs> usually don't make sense to people who are worldly because a lot of times God's laws or God's commands will seem almost backward to us. Like, give and you shall receive. That doesn't make sense. If I give, then I don't have, then I have less, right? But that's not what God says. He says, give and you'll receive. And it's kind of the same thing here. So in the, in the physical world, you work hard and you earn things, but in the spiritual realm, it's not about that. It's not about working harder. You surrender and you receive things. So if you want something from heaven, you're going to have to surrender something on earth. That's kind of how it works. You can't keep everything about you that's worldly and get everything from heaven that you want. Um, let's go to Exodus 16. I like this story. I think this kind of, this gives us a good picture of, um, some people that tried to rely on their own hard work when God even told them that he would take care of them. Exodus 16, 17, and 18. This is the people of Israel as they're wandering through the wilderness, and they were complaining to God that they didn't have food. And so he said, okay, I'll give you food. And manna fell from heaven, right? And he told them to only gather a certain amount. And um, mm-hmm. on the seventh day, not to gather anything. Was that my phone? Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> and so they were given instructions. And so verse 17 says, So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough, and each family had just what it needed. And so, no matter, it's like the people who gathered a lot were the people that probably had two handfuls of hard work. And um, they got, and at the end of the day, they had the same amount as the people who only gathered a little bit. Everyone had just the right amount that they needed. And so I always think of like tithing and giving when it comes down to it. And it seems like we've had a lot of times where um, God would tell us to give. And you look at the budget and it's like, well, okay, but, you know, it's probably, I don't think it's going to work out. And then we always have enough. Like, I don't think we've ever had a time where we didn't have enough. Like, we're always taken care of. Yeah. And even we went through a period where we decided, what year was it? I think it was 2017. Or was it 2018 that we decided to, like, up our giving every month? Yeah, I think it was last year. Okay. And so we decided to do that because I had prayed about that. Like, God, we want to give. We want to be able to give more, but we can't. And God's like, okay, we'll just 
you know, give more. And so we did, and we decided to up it every single month to see what would happen. And what happened was, we always had enough. Always. It was like it didn't make a difference. It was so weird. There's a term for it that my mom has. It's something about God's funny math or something like that. I don't know. Um, But God wants you to be dependent on him. And there's a reason for that. Your plans are not better than God's plans. He is actually smarter than you. He is wiser than you. His ways are better than anything that you could come up with on your own. The Bible says many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail, right? So you can think up whatever kind of plan you want for the next 10, 20 years, but God's purpose will prevail. The Bible says who can thwart the plans of God? Nobody. Um, first, let's do First Samuel 15. We got a lot of scripture here. There are a lot of verses about this in the Bible. This is about Samuel. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Hosea 6.6 says the same thing. You want to read that one? I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. It's the same thing over and over again. God's not interested in all the stuff all the stuff that you're giving up for his sake and all the things that you're, look how hard I'm working, God. Look at this, look at, you know. He just wants you to be obedient to him. He wants you to love other people. He's not really impressed with what you can do in your own human strength, in your own effort. After I had come up with this whole thing and I was starting to write some notes about it, I was reading a book and I came across a paragraph that, literally talked about the self-made man. I was like, wow. All right, I'm going to put that I'll put that in my podcast. Sorry, our podcast. So here it is. It's from a book called The Unlimited Power of Faith. And it says, There are no self-made men in God's kingdom. All men are products of divine connectivity, which, when fully engaged, ensures the fulfillment of destinies. Every great success story in the kingdom is a product of divine connectivity. There will never be any great spiritual story without a spiritual root. Just like there are no self-existent human beings, everybody on this earth has a family root. Something must flow into you from some other sources culminating in your greatness. Basically saying, there's no lone rangers in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we've all had... There are so many noises in this house. Yeah. The dishwasher's going... How dare the, the dryer is beeping. All of, this, all of this stuff at one time. This house is busy. <laughs> Basically saying there's no Lone Rangers. Okay. Everybody got to where they are with with help, you know. And in the king especially in the kingdom of heaven, you cannot just do things on your own. You can't. You can't get to where God wants you to be on your own, on your own strength. You need God. You need a spiritual family. He has created us so that we can rely on each other and hold each other up and love each other. And that is the way God has created it, and it is part of his good and perfect and pleasing will. It is why we are called the body of Christ, so that we can work together. And even if you, you know, what's that verse? If you complain, I'm an eye and not an ear or something like that. Oh yeah, all the, the members of the body have different 
roles. They have different roles, but they all work together, and, and Christ is the head. Um, but it doesn't matter what part you are, because it's still important, because you're part of the body of Christ, and what you do matters. Your work matters. This is actually one of my favorite verses, too, about your work and how it matters so much in the kingdom of God, because... There was one night someone was saying like, oh, it doesn't matter what we do on this earth because, you know, it won't matter in heaven what kind of crowns we earn because we're all just going to cast them at the feet of Jesus. And I thought of this verse and I should have said something, but I didn't. But anyways, it's 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 15. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I don't know about you, but that is not how I want to slide on into heaven. I don't want to slide in there by the skin of my teeth because my work didn't matter and it was burned up. Your work will be tested. It will go through fire. What you do on this earth absolutely matters. And so if you don't know what your calling is and you don't know what your purpose is, you need to find out because what you do on this earth absolutely matters. Do you have anything to add? You're being pretty quiet tonight. He is still here, by the way, sitting right across from me. I'm still here. I'm just letting you're on a roll. So I'm just letting you go. (laughs) Sometimes people come up with their own calling, right? They're like, oh, I think I was meant to do this. And your, your divine calling doesn't necessarily have to be something in ministry. I mean, we're all ministers. However, you don't have to be a, a pastor or an evangelist or yeah on the worship. I don't know. Like, you could be a construction worker. Yeah, I mean, your, your current, your, where you are, you know, in your current role because your current position, your current job, whatever, because... You know, that's where you're supposed to minister to people. You're supposed to minister where, you know, you've been there's, placed. There's unsaved people everywhere. There's unsaved people in the school system. There's unsaved people in the office. There's unsaved people uh, in the, on the construction site. There's unsaved people at the gym. I mean, God wants believers to be everywhere. And so you need to find out where it is you're supposed to be and what it is you're supposed to do. Um, I was saying a lot of people kind of come up with their own calling instead of asking God what he thinks they should do. And so um, one thing that you can do is instead of coming up with your own plans and asking God to bless the plans that you have created is find out the plans that he has created for you and they will be blessed. The blessing will follow. You won't even have to pray about it or ask for it because if you're walking in alignment with God's will, blessing will follow. There was a good analogy um, for this that I heard at a conference that I went to. And um, the speaker spoke about blessings like this. If, if the sun, or no, if the shadow is the blessing and um, the sun is like God in your calling, if you're chasing the shadow, right? If you're chasing the blessing, you're never going to catch it. But if you follow the sun, the shadow will follow you. You won't have to chase it down. It will just follow. And it's the same way with blood. 
blessings and righteousness. Blessings follow righteousness. It says in the Bible. I don't have a reference for it. I didn't write it down. But blessings follow righteousness. Just like the shadow follows the sun. Um, I had some notes in here on favor because we need God's favor when it comes to what we're doing. Um, favor is when God does for you what you can't do for yourself. And it only occurs with kingdom-minded men and women of God. And so if you've decided, I'm not going to be self-made, I'm God-designed and I'm kingdom-minded, favor will fall on you. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So you find out what you're supposed to do and you will be established. God will make you successful. Not by Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power. When it says might and power, it's talking about human might and human power. It says not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He's talking to, in this verse, he's talking to Zerubbabel when he told him to rebuild the temple. And he said it's not going to happen by human strength, although the workers were supposed to work and build. It was going to happen by my spirit, and it was built in like record time. This is I the forget. only podcast in the world where Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is mentioned. Zerubbabel, and it's fun to say. But I think, if I remember correctly, I think it was supposed to take 52 years or something like that to rebuild the temple. They built it. They built it in nine years, I think. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I would, but I can't. It was by the Spirit of God that it happened. So favor is never random it follows faithfulness so set your heart on god and be faithful to him and walk in righteousness psalm 85 there's a lot we have a lot of scripture in here ma'am i'm not going to apologize for it yes the lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away that must be the esv the nlt says yes the lord will yield its bountiful harvest Righteousness goes, this is the verse I was thinking about. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. There you see it again. Blessings follow righteousness. You don't have to chase it. Blessings are good. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he has no sorrow with it. How many people get to the top? So those questions that we asked at the beginning. What? I'm just reading the notes. lost my train of thought the blessing of the lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it how many people are at the top without god they've they've got what seem like all the blessings but they certainly don't have no sorrow you know sorrow will come with it if god's not with you at the top that's for sure and we see that all the time we see higher suicide rates drug addiction <laughs> for some reason aunt becky is written yeah. in my notes aunt becky I mean, that she's is in a like lot of trouble. no when we wrote this <laughs> that was when that all went down with aunt becky is she is she in jail uh no not yet oh okay <laughs> it's still relevant then. still relevant that's the way we do things here at get the word out we're relevant <laughs> we're real relevant no i can't say that <laughs> Okay, so we're going to give you four things that you can start doing today to become kingdom-minded or God-designed. So if you feel like that's me, I feel like I've been 
you know, kind of acting like a self-made man or woman. And I really need to surrender some things and pick up God's plans for my life and do things his way, walk in obedience. And you feel like you need to kind of steer the ship in a different direction. We're going to give you four things that you can do. Technically five, but there's a four and a four, four A. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the first one is fear God. Did you say that already? No. Fear God is the first one. Uh, Psalm 39, no, 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Um, That's pretty plain and simple. Yeah. There's so much stuff in the Bible that people don't realize. It is just so simple. I mean, the Bible is, if you really look at it it's very black and white you know what i mean like it's very simple it's like do this god will do this you do this you take the steps of faith god will do this and if people will just do it and actually instead of just believing in god just believe god and take him at his word they will see that he follow he actually does follow through like the bible is a book of contingencies if you do this god will do this and if you're, you're getting off. I'm off on a rabbit trail. All right. All right. I got to reel cut her me back off. in. I told him he could cut me off if I got on a rabbit trail. All right. So the first one is fear God. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Uh, we talk about fear. We're not talking about being afraid. It's like a reverence or an awe. A holy it's reverence a, for God. Yeah. Uh, so the second one, consecrate your lives before God. So live a holy life. What does that mean? Live a holy life. Mm-hmm. Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. <laughs> you read that. <laughs> Live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. So says Titus 2.12. Don't go out and live like everybody else in the world and call yourself holy and set apart. Yes. If you, how does Pastor Zach put it? If you blend in, you're doing it wrong. Something like that. That's not exactly Those aren't his words, but yeah. If you blend in, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) That's mine. Put a dash under that and write Megan next to it. In Leviticus, it says, be holy as I am holy. So God tells us to be holy. It's not some some crazy, unachievable thing that we can't do because we're surrounded by sin. We're we're made to be set apart. Yes. Uh, Number three, surrender your own ways and pick up God's plans. Uh, you had referenced, I think you referenced this earlier, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. I don't think so. Well, it was something similar. Uh, you were talking about the the work of the builder being burned. I guess it's not the same that thing, but there's sim- similar, similar ideas. Uh, don't let your work be wasted. Uh, so everything you do, uh, do it, uh, do it for the Lord. And the fourth one, 4A, I guess. No, you didn't do number four. Yeah, the fourth one. The first fourth one, which would be 4A. Put your hope in God. (laughs) Put your hope in God. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. It's not difficult. If you have the faith and you have hope in God, I don't know how people honestly do it without hope in God. What's their hope in? 
The Bible says your money, if your hope is in money, the Bible says that your money is unreliable. I don't know where that is, but it's in there. I read it. (laughs) (laughs) You can trust me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and 4B, unless you were going to say something else about putting your hope in God. No, because you would cut me off. Pretty pretty self-explanatory. The second number four, or number five, if you will, uh, or 4B. Uh, lean on your spiritual family. Uh, episode five, we did a whole show. We did a whole show on leaning on your, on talking about your your spiritual family. So go back and take a listen to that. It'll be a good reminder. Yeah, God designed people don't do things on their own. God designed people know how the body of Christ works. God designed people aren't afraid to, and actually they seek out, um, mentors and, and even people to pour into and, um, they're connected. They don't just have church as a checklist, like check, went to church this Sunday, check, went to church this Sunday. They're involved and they are, how does pastor, here's another pastor, Jack, full-time Christians and part-time everything else. And Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what you should be a full-time Christian and a part-time everything else. That's part of us being set apart. Our faith comes first. It doesn't come second to anything else. Yeah, so what what would your life be like if you didn't allow God to lead you? If I was a self-made woman, you'd have I'd a, be at the top of the world. <laughs> you'd have a... a a big old tattoo on your back that says self-made. Oh, I actually sunburned. No, I saw that, that guy at the beach. We went to the beach a few weeks ago and um, I had been thinking about our podcast and I'm like, man, we haven't done our podcast in a while. I really want to do it. And I knew that our next one was going to be called the self-made man. And I turned around and there's this big guy with tattoos all over his back and across the top in big letters. Redder than Elmo, this guy was. Oh, yeah. He was pretty burnt. It said his tattoo on his back said self-made. And I was like, oh, man, he's a self-made man. (laughs) There's a song about it, too. I don't know what it is. It's a country song, I think, or something. I I don't know what song you're talking about. But if, if, if I didn't allow God to lead me, I would, I would really be struggling and I would probably worry a lot and have like anxiety and depression, which by the way, I've dealt with both of those things in the past. So I know those are awful things to have, but when you are living in God's will for your life and you're walking out in your divine calling, you, you don't worry because if you're obedient, I mean, the blessing, God's going to take care of you. He's not going to give you an assignment and then watch you struggle, you know, like you're not a, you're not a little experiment to him, you know? Yeah. He, everything that God tells us to do in the Bible, it's for our own good. What would your life be like if you were a self-made man? (laughs) Um... I think you had mentioned worry. I feel like there'd be a lot more worry. I would be more concerned about, I don't know, everything. (laughs) Like, you look at the, 
don't know, just the way the world is. And it's, I don't know, you had said earlier, like, if your hope is in something other than God, like, you look around and... People are so paranoid about things. Yes, paranoid. Because they watch the news all the time and they're so worried about stuff. I mean, I think it's important to know what's happening in the world, but not to put your focus on that and let it consume your mind, you know? Um, It's comforting to know, like... That we we pray for our kids, we pray for protection, we pray over our home, we've anointed our doors and even our property and stuff like that. Like, there is a peace about it, you know, in our home. And when we send the kids off to school, like, we don't we don't worry about stuff. No, we I'm just not, don't. Yeah, I'm not concerned about even uh, money because when you're tithing. There's a divine protection over your finances, right? Because the Bible says the Lord rebukes the devourer. Mm -hmm. So you know how some people's money is just eaten up because everything goes wrong. Like the car needs this and the washer broke and this and this and this and all that kind of stuff. The money's going to go. You might as well just give it to God, right? (laughs) And so he commands you to give a tenth. And so when you give a tenth, there's that protection over your finances. And so your money doesn't get eaten up by stuff. Even when something did happen to our van, you even said your prayer was, let oh, it be no and, charge to us. Yeah, and uh, when I went to pick it up, uh, you know, after they did all the work to it, I I don't remember the exact phrase. I think that's what it was, no charge, like no charge to us. And, like, that was the lady's exact wording when she handed me my keys back. Like, oh, it's no charge to you or something like that. So, yeah. Do you know how nice it is to get all that work done to your vehicle? And And it was thousands of dollars. And then, yeah, and then get the receipt and it says 0.00. Oh, man. It's awesome. feels so good. (laughs) But we're not afraid to give. That's the thing. There's no fear in letting that money go out of your hands. Because, (laughs) I mean, if something happens, it's on God, you know. He did a terrible job if if he tells us to give and then... We can't afford um, dinner Zero. for the last week of the month or something like that. Like, that's that's on him. It's not on me if he told you to do it, right? Looks like we're fasting this week, kids. Yeah. That's a good way to save money, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> One of the many benefits of fasting. Yes. Extra grocery money. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. So just to go over these four things again. So... How do you become kingdom-minded? You fear God. You consecrate your lives before God. Surrender your own ways and pick up God's plans. Put your hope in God and lean on your spiritual family. We have no idea what we're going to talk about next time, but we hope that you will listen. I have no idea who's listening to this one, but we just hope and pray that whoever listens to it is supposed to listen to it. And, you know, it's kind of in God's hands now. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, Feel free to send us uh, an email. I don't remember the email address off the top of my head. You can find it in our live podcast. Podcast at gettheword.today. So email us. uh, Send me a message on Facebook. Ask us some questions. Yeah, questions, questions. comments. uh, If you have an idea or something you want us to talk about, that would be cool. Uh, But we really appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we hope you have a great day.